The following is a paid program on the VOCM Big Land FM radio network. This is Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, licensed insolvency trustees. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of this station. Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO on VOCM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Money with Nancy Snedden. I am Nancy Snedden. Thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, we're discussing the provincial budget. It's been just over a week since Deputy Premier and Finance Minister Siobhan Cody tabled a financial blueprint entitled Budget 2022 Change is in the Air. We've had time to reflect and review the budget details, and joining me to discuss what was presented is our panel. Jason Hilliard, CEO of Charter Professional Accounts in Newfoundland and Labrador, Richard Alexander, Executive Director of the Newfoundland and Labrador Employers Council, and Mary Shortle, President of the Newfoundland and Labrador Federation. Of labor. Thank you all so much for joining me today. Good morning. You're welcome. Thank you. So, in her delivery of the budget, Minister Cody commented the plan for this fiscal year is built on helping families with the cost of living, ensuring a healthy, educated, and growing population, building stronger communities, and investing in infrastructure and roads, which contributes to our pride of place, addressing climate change, and encouraging economic growth and job creation. So we're going to touch on all of this and a lot more throughout the next hour. But first, I want to hear from each of you. What was your reaction to the budget? I mean, it's been mixed, which normally there is a mixed reaction when most budgets come out so some people are saying it's a better news budget some a status quo budget i'll start with you jason what were your overall thoughts on what minister cody presented you know i think it was a reasonable attempt by uh, attempt i guess to uh, balance the need to kickstart the economy uh, following such a long period of slowdown uh, coupled with trying to to come to terms with the fiscal with our fiscal reality, uh, I was happy to see that there was no new uh, tax increases and, and a few incentives sprinkled in. Uh, however, you know I, I think I would have welcomed additional expense reduction uh, along with some additional support uh, to address the cost of living challenges that our citizens are are facing. Yeah, there's no doubt. I've been doing interviews. Um in, in various fronts, I would say, over the last month or so, talking about inflation, right? It's on everybody's mind and the cost of living increasing. The Bank of Canada, when it increased interest rates this week, said that they expect inflation to get to 6%. So definitely something that's on top of mind and something that's, you know, impacting every single person uh, in Newfoundland and Labrador right now. So, Richard, what was your thoughts on the budget? Yeah, I, we've been uh, covering budgets or, or participating in budget lockups for, for many, many years. And I guess, you know, since going back to 2016, when we had that big uh, billion-dollar tax increase uh, and $2 billion deficit, I mean, this, this budget is obviously a lot better than that. Um, you know, we look at, you know, there's all kinds of things you can look at in the budget. Uh, things like, you know, revenue. So they've, they've done really well. The economy is uh, doing much better than what many people would have projected. And as a result, you're seeing the, the provincial treasury benefit from that. Uh, tax revenues are, are, are strong. Uh, sales taxes, mine royalties are, are quite good. Um, so what the, what the, uh, the strength of the economy, the increased taxation, 
does is it provides a bit of a, a relief valve for government uh, when they're trying to to look at uh, the one part of the budget that they really can control, which is the expenditure side. And everybody from premier to past premiers to finance ministers, auditor generals, everybody has you know still continues to say that we have a spending problem. Uh, they put more money in this uh, budget into health educa- and education for, for various reasons. Our health system is, is broken. It's, uh, you know, many would argue that, that uh, having health health spending uh, stable for a number of years that uh, given the challenges that they have that you know additional investment in health is is warranted Uh, but we're still running um, significant deficits Um, and when we run those deficits that means we have to borrow money Uh, we're borrowing about 1.249 billion uh, this year again um, you know, our debt expense is close to a billion dollars. And what, what that's doing is uh, the interest that we pay on the province's credit card is now more than education and social services combined. Um, government has a plan to get to a balanced budget, which is the first, which is the first step. It's going in the right direction. It's obviously not as, not as, um, uh, not as strong a plan as, as what we'd like to see, but it is going in the, in the right direction. And they're they're continuing with a number of uh, different initiatives that I guess the the impact of those on the on future budgets have not been calculated. Things like joint solutions, uh, the asset review. Uh, they're also bringing forward. Uh, they've had first reading in the House of the future fund legislation, balanced budget legislation. And if those those initiatives and those pieces of legislation, if those initiatives are, are real initiatives and they're done correctly, and uh, those those pieces of legislation have have teeth to them, that should provide um, that should make it easier for our government to get uh, to achieve their plan that they're saying, and it should provide uh, protection from from citizens of you know it's just these mountains mountains of debt that the province is is uh, wrestling with. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's been something that we've been talking about for years, right? The level of debt that the province is carrying. And I think I agree with you. It's directionally, it's going in the right uh, right place. But we just, if we could get there sooner, I think we'd all be uh, a little happier. So, Mary, what were your thoughts on the overall budget? Well, I mean, I, I mean, I think we are going in the right direction with the de- deficit and debt. And we uh, there is a, a plan to be uh, at surplus by 25, 26. I think that's really normal. Our economy is set to grow in line with the Canadian average. So uh, I can't agree that uh, that the debt and deficit is still the crisis that government, you know, said it was a couple of years ago. I think it is going in the right direction. Uh, there was a lot of anxiety leading up to this budget. Uh, the pandemic has caused so much stress and overwork for a huge number of workers, for sure, frontline and healthcare workers. I agree, healthcare is uh, is in crisis, but also personal care, long-term care, others, other form of essential workers. And we had all, everyone heard that cuts were coming, and the fact that there were no layoffs is a relief in this budget, but the fact is um, that the budget, just the fact that the budget isn't as bad as we thought it would be doesn't necessarily make it a really good budget. Uh, given today's cost of living, a uh, kind of status quo budget means that many are still having to do more with less money. I mean, inflation is, uh, is, is really high. The cost of living is high. And this budget, a uh, status quo budget, hurts hurts those. They hurt the most vulnerable citizens. They target the organizations helping them. Um, so I think the tone was a little bit different than expected at this budget. Um, you know, I think it may have been for two reasons. One, I think the government realizes that, uh, you know, like in 2006, massive action uh, in a budget is going to have a massive reaction from the public and uh, a shock to the economy or, or having that kind of unrest out there is not... Uh, 
is not really appropriate. Uh, but I also think that uh, the reason this budget was a little uh, less than expected was because there's still a lot to come. Public sector bargaining is right around the corner. The health accord uh, implementation plan is due to be tabled uh, this month. The Rothschilds report findings uh, that the government have in their hands. They haven't released uh, their decision on that. The Minimum Wage Report Committee uh, hasn't uh, tabled its uh, its uh, recommendations yet. So I think all of those things that are yet to come uh, will have a significant impact on the people of the province. And those are things that may have normally been woven into a budget, uh, but they weren't. Uh, they weren't done that. Other than there was, you know, there was some, some and we'll talk a little bit later. I think about what might have been missing. Uh, you know, there were some things that helped some vulnerable people in some ways, uh, but I think there was also a lot of room for uh, some other things to, to happen in that that we didn't see. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. There's things that the government doesn't have full information on yet that we might have expected normally to see in a budget that we'll have to wait a little longer to see what the impact will be. So, Jason, I'll turn back to you as the accountant in the group here. So, what do you, we've been talking a lot about the deficit. We've been talking about directionally removing uh, in, in the right course, I guess. But do you think that it's possible when you look at the numbers that we will be able to balance the books by 2026? And, and is it achievable to return to surplus by 26, 27? You know, I, I think uh, they've held they've held the ground, I guess, on that plan from last year to this. Uh, so that's encouraging. Uh, we've also seen that they actually did be better in, in this year than what they uh, budgeted for last year. Uh, you know, I, I think that return, uh, unfortunately, still ties awful closely to how well our oil royalties do. Uh, so, you know, obviously that's a big part of our economy. Uh, and, you know, we're all optimistic that, uh, you know, things will continue uh, in that vein. Uh, but, you know, it is a lot to have hinged on sort of one commodity. And I think, you know, I, I think, unfortunately, we're, we're still uh, very susceptible to that volatility in that market. Um, so, you know, we could see, uh, you, you know, a drastic improvement you know, over the next couple of years uh, as a result of uh, revenue, uh, or it could equally go the other way. Uh, I, I'm encouraged to see, uh, you know, the, the latest news on, on Beta Nord, and, and, and hopefully that'll set us up for, uh, uh, you know, continued uh, good growth in that industry for, for a number of years left to come. Uh, but, you know, I think we are, uh, you know, we're, we're, any improvement in this number is still seems to be very much driven by what happens on our revenue side of the house. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic, but cautiously, I would say. Yeah, no, it's probably a good statement. Cautiously, cautiously optimistic, and I agree with you on Beta Nord. We're actually going to be talking about that on the show next week. Uh, so it's very uh, timely indeed. So Minister Sharon Cody says that the budget includes a few new relief me measures that will put money back in people's pockets. But in these days of soaring inflation, are these tax breaks enough? And are they benefiting those who really need them most? So we're going to hear from the panel on that when we come back. Please stay with us. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night, anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show, midnight on your VOCM. Welcome back. You're listening to your money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Today's focus is the recent provincial budget, and joining me for the discussion to share their thoughts are Jason Hilliard, CEO of the Charter Professional Accountants in Newfoundland and Labrador, Richard Alexander, Executive Director of the Newfoundland and Labrador 
Employers Council, and Mary Shortle, President of the Newfoundland and Labrador Federation of Labor. So we've been talking a lot about the soaring inflation and, and how government, you know, says it's really focused on putting Newfoundland and Labradorians first. In fact, in her address, Minister Cody said, your government has chosen to support you to invest in health, education, and the economy. We're going to discuss health and education in a few minutes, but first I want to talk about how the government is saying it's doing to lighten the financial strain that so many are experiencing these days with rising inflation. There are no provincial fee increases or tax increases. The government did announce new relief measures it says will help offset the rising cost of living. Among them, the elimination of the retail sales tax on home insurance for one year, 50% off the cost of registering passenger vehicles, light trucks, and taxis for one year. And the budget does allocate an additional $1.9 million for electric vehicle charging infrastructure, as well as $2,500 rebate for consumers who purchase or lease all electric vehicles, and a $1,500 rebate for the purchase or lease of plug-in hybrid vehicles. 10% increases to the income supplement and seniors benefit. $73 million for income supplement, $61 million for the seniors benefit. The budget also includes the extension of the physical activity tax credit, which provides families a refundable tax credit of up to $2,000. And other initiatives include lower childcare costs, the expansion of those eligible for Metrobus or GoBus passes, and increases in prenatal supplements. Minister Cody commented that she wished the government could do more for people with low income, but more support could come in the future. So, Mary, I know that, you know, cost of living and, and low income uh, help is really top of mind for you whenever we talk. So what is your response to some of these budget items? Do you think they go far enough to address the cost of living? Well, I mean, th there were some things there. You know, I mean, that's a given. But when you consider what it means for, um, you know, the number of individuals that are really struggling right now. Uh, all too often, you know, th those dollars don't really translate into much into the pockets of them. And, you know, to be quite honest, uh, when we know the cost of living is hurting those on fixed and low incomes the most, you know, uh, electric vehicle uh, rebates are good, but they're probably not effective for the, the people who really need some help. And, and when you think about um, what a budget is really supposed to do, it's not just about balancing the books, uh, you know, I know you know, that's that's an important consideration, but it's also about balancing the economy. And um, you know, we were hoping that we would see more of a strategy around what to do about some of that. You know, what to do about uh, the lack of affordable housing, for example. I mean, I think that's also in crises. Shelters are at capacity. Uh, perhaps some investment in low housing, or or perhaps even cooperative housing. Um, I know there's a lot of reliance on, on federal government monies coming in as well, um, and so that, that will be very helpful for lots of those things that, that we'll probably discuss a little bit later. But still, we're, we're still, the, the cost of living is soaring. One in seven families are still going hungry. You know, more and more working people are actually going into food banks. You know, 15% of households can't afford reliable access to food. Wages, you know, have, have, have stagnated. 
uh, with the lack of income kind of underlying that, right? So you know, the discussions around how to address that. If we really want people uh, to come to this province or stay in this province and and um, and and grow the economy, what does that actually mean, right? How do you help uh, small businesses, you know, who are struggling right now by reducing or eliminating uh, taxes or some other measures? You know, there were, there, I think there were other little things, little big things that, that could have been put in there that would have addressed, um, you, you know, the thousands of people who are really, really struggling. Um, I, and the highest, we still have the highest unemployment rate in the province. And I know, you know, there's a lot of labor market information and discussions that have to happen as we, you know, move into a different type of economy, you know, as we emerge into, you know, more digital and technical and, and green jobs because we know how important that is. But we need to talk about what that means and how we prepare for that. So, you know, an, a, a job strategy or a labor market strategy or a green job strategy or a young worker strategy, there was there was no real discussion around dealing with what I think is now, you know, one of the biggest crises we're facing, and that's the crisis of, of unemployment, uh, which also means we have a, a, a crisis in inequality, including wage inequality. So those are, there's little tidbits there that, that could have been put there, I thought, uh, and I was disappointed to see it. I know, you know, oil and gas revenues are important, but we've seen that they're down in this budget. We've also seen that uh, mining is, uh, there's a big growth in mining. So, you know, real GDP is growing. Household in income is actually growing. Retail sales are growing. There's lots of really positive uh, trends that are happening. I think that would, you know, beg uh, some investment by government to encourage that to kind of put the plan together, have a, a bigger plan about economic recovery and what that means. And we definitely do need some economic recovery. I mean, the pandemic, everything else that's happening in the world, and we keep talking about uh, inflation. Amir, you mentioned how you know, salaries aren't where they need to be and they're really not keeping pace, right? We're, we're at like a 6% inflation and more around a 3% uh, salary growth. So it, it really is having an impact on many people. And Richard, you mentioned healthcare in your initial comments, right? And, and we know that over the next 12 to 18 months, we're going to see four regional health authorities integrated into one. The government is, though, planning to spend more on healthcare this year. They've allocated $3.4 billion to health, representing 38% of this year's budget. Health Minister John Hagee has assured residents that most of the changes will involve administration rather than frontline workers with regards to these four regional health authorities turning into one. This is about the back end, he says, not about healthcare provision at the front end. Healthcare spending is also going to include funding for the modernization and integration of air and road ambulance systems with centralized dispatch, growth of virtual emergency services in the province, the creation of a more integrated medicine facility, $3 million to increase the number of seats in Memorial University's nursing program by 25%. We know we need more nurses here in the province, and $2.5 million to increase the number of seats in the personal care attendant program practicing nursing, paramedicine, and other health programs, programs sorry, at the College of the North Atlantic. So, Richard, let's talk a little bit more about the, your reaction to the health care spending and, and the coming changes to the health care in our province. Yeah, so, I mean, everybody from the Premier to uh, Dr. Pat Parfrey and, and Sister Elizabeth and the, the, the Tenure Health Court process, I think there's a, there's a general recognition there that our health system needs 
uh, to be modernized and restructured in a way that um, provides the, the right services to the, to the right people at the right time. Um, you know, we're essentially, uh, well, the Premier himself said that the, the, the healthcare system in our province is broken. That's a, that's a pretty strong word. And, you, you know, lately you've seen the NLMA come out and the Nurses Union, everybody talking about the challenges of trying to fill those positions and areas. Going. So we need to do, we can't just do the same thing that we've always done and expect to get a better outcome. We have to do this restructuring. And, um, you know, a lot of the time when people look at, you know, if you look at the PERD report, the PERD report said, okay, we need to cut healthcare spending by X amount uh, every year moving forward. Um, the reality is, is I, I don't think that the way to approach healthcare is to just say, cut, you know, cuts across the board. That doesn't, uh, that doesn't work. Uh, what we need is a sort of reimagining how healthcare is going to be delivered in our province, restructure it, modernize it. And to do that requires uh, some investment. And I think you're seeing that from uh, from the provincial government here, and they're they're you know they're putting an emphasis on uh, outcomes to to citizens and uh, things like that. So I think that's a that's a very uh, important process. I think it's a process that needs to happen. I think that will require uh, upfront uh, investment, which I think we're seeing now. Um, but I think we have to make sure that, like, I, when we read the, the, the 10-year health accord, I, I sort of characterize it as 80% is, is good and 20% of it is, uh, is concerning. Um, it, you know, it's the type of thing, it's a typical government consultation where they go to people and they, they ask what you think we should do with health care, and then a bunch of people say a bunch of stuff, and they throw it all in the report and send it off to government. I don't think government's going to do everything that's in that report. Um, but when they move forward with those, with those changes, what needs to happen is those, those changes need to be done uh, with the, you know, keeping focus on the North Star. How do we, how do we deliver this in, in 2022 and moving forward? Uh, it has to be different. Uh, it has to provide better outcomes for citizens. And it has to be more efficient. Um, some of the initiatives they've, they've talked about in the budget and in the, in the health accord, things like, you know, uh, dispatch, a province fine ambulance system. I think it's important for our government to, to look at what other provinces have done around uh, partnerships, uh, joint solutions with, uh, you know, that are, that are outside the, the realm of, of government uh, to see if there's advantages there to doing that. And if there are, then we should, we should have those discussions because uh, simply just doing the same thing we've always done with, with healthcare is, gonna, is not going to fix any, uh, any problems. So it's about modernizing and, and reimagining how we can do that in these problems. Yeah, I really do agree with you on that, right? It's, it's the old adage, you can't just keep doing things over and over again and expect a different result if it hasn't been working. And we do need better health outcomes for the people in Newfoundland and Labrador. And I think the fact that the Premier has said it's broken and he's come from that industry, he's a doctor, right? So he has uh, a good lens, I think, uh, looking at this in, in combination, of course, with Minister Cody and, and Minister Haggy. So when we come back, we're going to talk about the investment that the province is making in education, and we'll hear from Jason and Hilliard on that. Please stay with us. Take a break. Join us weekdays from 1230 to 1 p.m. as we discuss anything and everything that's happening now. It's all on the table during your VOCM lunch break. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money with BDO. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Well, just over a week ago on April 7th, Deputy Premier and Finance Minister Siobhan Cody presented the province's budget in the House of Assembly. The 34-page document is titled Budget 2022, Change is in the Air. So, of course, that 
that's the focus of our show today. And joining me for the discussion is Jason Hilliard. He's a CEO of Charter Professional Accountants in Newfoundland and Labrador. Richard Alexander, Executive Director of the Newfoundland and Labrador Employers Council. And Mary Shortle, President of the Newfoundland and Labrador Federation of Labor. So we close off the last segment talking uh, advising that we're going to talk about the investment that the province is making in education. So for the first time since 1972, we're seeing school enrollment increase in our province. To cover this growth, the government has committed $3.1 million in additional funding for teaching services to meet the rising student population and $4 million to maintain guidance counselor and administrator positions added during the pandemic. So Jason, what are your thoughts on this investment? You know, it's one of those areas that we obviously need to uh, invest heavily, I would say, into our, our future. Um, so, you know, it, it makes sense to have seen an increase in this area. Uh, however, you know, it, it's a relatively small figure uh, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, and it's encouraging, obviously, to see that the investment, some investment is there and, and encouraging to see enrollment increasing for the first time uh, in, in several decades. Uh, but, you know, I think there is more to be done. There, there are communities that uh, you need, need new schools, need new uh, uh, functions available to them, need more more teachers. And, and, and the whole concept of, uh, you know, the, the virtual environment and, and what, you know, might come up in the future is still a bit of an unknown. Uh, so I think this will be sort of a changing landscape uh, for a number of years. Uh, certainly encouraged to have seen the investment in guidance counselors uh, and whatnot. I think, you know, coming out of the pandemic, I, th- I think, you know, where things are going, with from a mental health perspective and, and whatnot, I, th- I think there's there's going to be an additional strain on on those kinds of resources in the school system for a, a number of years to come as our, our students sort of uh, get used to uh, being back in class. Uh, you know all the concerns around the pandemic. Uh, you know I, I think there's you know it, it may not go far enough, but it's uh, certainly a step in the right direction and and certainly encouraged to see that it uh, you know an increase in funding as opposed to uh, uh, cuts in this area. Yeah, no, I agree. Guidance counselors are so, so important, not only to your point around the pandemic and the sort of anxiety and stress that that's put on people, but it's tough to be a kid today, right? Like social media, like all the things that they're dealing with that I know I didn't have to deal with uh, as a kid. I think it's such an important resource for our education system. So I was really happy to see that as well. So I want to move now to investments that will spur economic growth, business development and job creation. So investments that are going to support our businesses and communities, helping them to thrive. So Richard, so when you look at these budget highlights and the funding that's been allocated for each, what stands out most to you? Um, I think you have to look at budgets as um, they're, they're political tools. They're important for the running of the organization and for the uh, for the for the province, obviously. But they're they're political tools, and everybody you know wants to see you know the budget consultation processes. You know, gimme, gimme, gimme. Everybody, everybody wants something, and uh, you know the reality is the province doesn't have the fiscal capacity to to do anything. They're you know they're borrowing just to do what they're doing now. So it's it's very difficult. I mean, these these types of initiatives are 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 fine. They are what they are, and they they will help you know specific industries and. In, in small ways, um, but the the reality is is that uh, governments governments role when government tries to pick winners and losers they usually get it wrong, and uh, you know when people when businesses look to expand or invest in in our province and 
grow the economy and that's that's what we're looking to do uh you know they're usually related to you know three things so the, the first one is taxes so how do how is our province compared to other provinces when it comes to taxation um things like uh, uh transportation how difficult it is to move goods in and out of the province and then and then talent uh and we're, we're struggling on those issues so the government needs to focus on uh, what it can do to to address those those issues and sort of let the let the market figure out uh, how it's going to respond to those challenges, right? Um, but the, the biggest challenge, one of the biggest challenges that we have as a province right now is that the whole labor market thing. And Mary referred to this as well. Like we're seeing in education, okay, there's a thousand new enrollments in, in the uh, for kindergarten this coming year. Um, that that's great news, but is it a blip or is it just you know or is this trend? And we need our province, and I think the province to their credit has done this. They need to they need to focus on immigration. So if you're growing your population. And we're not. Our population has been shrinking. Uh, if you grow your population, you'll grow your economy, and that will provide you know folks having children, folks t- taking jobs that are that are available. Uh, you'll see growth in the economy. Uh, immigration is is really really important to the to the future success of the, of the province because right now we're heading for and we're dealing with now uh, an aging population, a shrinking population, and an increasing debt load. Um, uh, for for taxpayers in the in the province, so we need to reverse that trend, and hopefully we'll see hopefully we'll see our immigration strategy start to uh, start to bear fruit, and we'll see uh, more money having to be invested in education because people are out there having children, and and uh, things are getting better for the province. But we have to reverse that trend. Yeah, no, I agree. It's important. Immigration strategy is so important, right? There, there's so many people actually who are looking for a better life and to come to Canada. So the sooner that we can help them do that, I think it's a benefit for everyone because like you said more people here will increase the economy Samira you talked about in an earlier segment that you know we're looking at a a potential uh, crisis with regards to unemployment so with this budget that you know they're talking about spurring economic growth and job creation so do you think that they missed the mark on some of the funding well, I mean, I think uh, one thing that I learned from the whole health accord process, right, and, and reading the report was that you can't just take a one a piece by piece approach when you're looking at, you know, how are we going to grow our economy? How are we going to sustain our communities? How are we going to move forward economic growth? How are we going to provide, you know, decent work for for the jobs of the future? And I think it it requires a more holistic uh, uh, view of that. So, for example, in the health accord, you know, it was very clear that you can't fix the health care system without dealing with the social determinants of health and the the real link between poverty and health, right, and poverty and and, uh, participation in your community. So, I mean, I I think government would be wise to look at things in that manner, right? I mean, and I heard, you know, the, the the NASCAR analogy and the defense of that money by saying, you know, you have to invest in order to gain in the end. You know, you invest so much money, it's going to turn out so much money in the end. Well, that's the same with the economy. So you need to invest in those things that Richard was talking about and Jason is talking about, like education and, and, uh, and immigration and supports for the immigrants. It's one thing to bring immigrants here, but they need to be supported when they get here. Um, you know, that means addressing the curriculum, the education curriculum in the school system, how we deal with public services, how we, you know, include that, uh, include those things into er- er- everything so that somebody can live in this province the same way as everybody else can and have the same kind of support. So, 
I, I agree. I think those things are, are, are really, really important, uh, you know, and I think a job strategy would do that, right, and, and a labor market strategy, sitting down and talking to the people who are involved in that. So you talk to, you know, people who develop curriculum, you talk to employers, you talk to workers and their unions, you talk to communities, and, and you develop a plan because if we don't have a plan, we're going to be left scrambling like we often are. And, you know, I, I talk a lot about a just transition plan, and there was no discussion about that in the budget, obviously, uh, but uh, because we've been trying to, to talk about that for a while with both the federal and the provincial governments. Uh, but th those things are really important. If you don't sit down and say, you know, it, it, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but it's going to happen at some time, and we are changing and we are entering new uh, a new labor market already. We, we're seeing all these wonderful new jobs being developed, you know, digital and the digital um, industries in, in, um, in technology, you know, the, the moratorium on wind farms have been lifted. You know, we're looking, we're looking very seriously at, at uh, investing in other, in other types of industries and jobs, but that requires discussions. It's not just a handful of people who are going to be impacted by that. And so to sit down and have some kind of a, a um, how do we get, you know, the, the labor force that we do have, how do we get them reskilled and retrained or, or identify their skills that already exist uh, that can that can take them into other jobs when the time comes. How do we? Uh, what do we need for future? How are we going to sit down and do that? How are we going to encourage youth to stay here? That may mean more investment in post-secondary education, not cuts to post-secondary education. Now, how are we going to make sure that uh, you know that? Um, that we we uh, we have a workforce for the jobs we need, and that we can grow our economy at the same time, while while understanding that you know we have fiscal challenges that we that that uh, that we need to address. But uh, you know I'm kind of of the of the NASCAR approach that if you invest that money in the economy, that it will come out on the other end with with more economic growth, when people have more money in their pockets, when people uh, you know can lift themselves out of poverty a bit when they're healthier, they're not a, a burden, you know, the, 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 a burden to the, the health care system or to other public services, uh, that everybody uh, can thrive in the community. And, and that's about, um, about balancing the economy as well as balancing the budget, I think. No, I agree with you. There's a trickle-down effect, right, to all of this. Uh, and it all means a, a better Newfoundland and Labrador. So we've talked a lot about the highlights in the budget. But what's missing? So our panel is going to talk about that when we come back. Please stay with us. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guests today are Jason Hilliard. He's the CEO of the Charter Professional Accountants in Newfoundland and Labrador, Richard Alexander, Executive Director of the Newfoundland and Labrador Employers Council, and Mary Shortle, President of the Newfoundland and Labrador Federation of Labor. So we all know that the COVID pandemic uh, has meant really tough times for business here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Many are still recovering. And so, Jason, my question for you is should there have been more tax breaks, incentives, or other financial support really announced for business here in Newfoundland and Labrador as part of the budget? 
Yeah, so you know, I, I think there was certainly an opportunity to to uh, help small business. But I, to be honest, I was I was quite encouraged by the series of uh, incentives and sort of uh, tax credits that the government put into this budget. Uh, it sort of goes back to what both Richard and Mary were saying during the last segment. Uh, you know, the the one thing that we can really control, uh, to a degree at least, is making sure there's opportunities available for for people when they're ready to work and and there's uh, um, you know. An, an opportunity. People will want to stay here if they have uh, meaningful employment and whatnot. And I think uh, looking across the series of tax credits, you know, the green technology tax credit at 20%, the 10% manufacturing processing investment tax credit, and the uh, tax credit for the film and video production, I think all those things will drive economic activity for those con- those organizations, all of which will result in, you know, person years of employment as a result. So there'll be, there's, there's a lot of reason resources that are going to need to be brought into those organizations in order to deliver the projects for which they will be granted a tax credit. So that does stir, uh, spur a lot of uh, uh, economic activity, and, and I was, I would say, very encouraged uh, to see those tax credits uh, in this budget uh, and uh, look forward to seeing the growth that that can drive uh, over the year to come. And I agree. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the growth that we can see in these industries in our province over the next year as well. So I want you to switch gears now, Jason. Um, we've talked about what's in the budget. What do you think is missing? You know, I guess for me, you know, they, they've done a good job, I think, of trying to balance, uh, you know, the things they needed to do on the expense side with the things they needed to do to encourage uh, investment and, and growth in the economy. Uh, you know, from my vantage point, I guess I, I don't, I don't like sort of taking money from tomorrow in order to pay for today. So I, I guess the big thing for me is is we haven't seen as aggressive of an expense reduction uh, path as as perhaps I would have encouraged reached several years ago. Uh, I recognize, though, that, you know, coming out of a pandemic, there's a need to do things a little differently. But even looking at the five-year plan, uh, you know, I'm not seeing anything that significant from an expense reduction point of view uh, on the horizon in the five-year plan. And, and that, you know, it, it makes me fairly nervous, I would say, around the likelihood of that return to surplus in 2627. Uh, I think it's attainable. I think what they have there is reasonable. But you know, I, I would have liked to have seen a return sooner. I would have liked to have seen our debt get paid down, uh, and and you know, we can take some of that money that we're using for debt servicing and and fund, you know, real activity uh, in our uh, economy. So th- that for me was was perhaps the biggest item is just uh, um, you know a, a lack of uh, aggressiveness, I guess, around the uh, tax or the expense side of the house. Yeah, and I think we talk about that quite a bit, right, that there's always a lot of concentration on the revenue line, but there's, there are things that we need to do for cost reduction as well to improve the bottom line overall. It's not the only driver when it comes to bottom line, and, and as an accountant, of course, and, and for me, in being in the debt industry, paying down that debt and reducing cost is always top of mind for me as well. So, Richard, I'll turn to you now. What do you feel the government should have included in the budget maybe that wasn't there? Yeah, so um, I've been 
studying budgets for, for many, many years now, probably about 20, 20 years looking at this. And uh, what we see in our province is, is quite different from, uh, from other provinces. And I guess government puts out projections for five years. Uh, a previous administration said we were going to be in balance by, by uh, 2022, 23, which is this year. That's not going to happen. We see governments putting out those projections and then all the, all the, the, the necessary work of, of restructuring governments and, and making it more affordable uh, and better outcomes for citizens is pushed off until the next election. So we, we see that uh, a fair bit. Um, what, we, what we think we need in this province is uh, more detail around government's plan. So government typically puts out all kinds of projections. We're going to hit, you know, balance in three, four, or five years or whatever, but no details as to how they're going to do it. So, and and many times those uh, targets are there's an administration has no intention of, of hitting them whatsoever, but they politically they have to say that they're going to return the balance, uh, and that's why we've gotten ourselves into this into this mess. This uh, budget, I think we are seeing something uh, a little bit different. So we are seeing government, uh, Minister Cody, come out with a number of initiatives to, as she calls it, reimagine government. Things like the asset review, which is, if you think about it from a from a provincial standpoint, a historical standpoint, if we, you know, the fact that we haven't done that before, is really, you know, surprising. I guess, uh, you know, that's something that should have been done a long time ago. So they're doing the asset review. Uh, they're they're uh, looking at uh, different ways to deliver programs and services through joint solutions. I mean, we've heard about all the you know the stories about the St. Brendan's Ferry uh, motor vehicle registration. You know, why is it in 2022 that we have to stand in line for or wait to get served for for hours uh, to get a photo ID taken when when I can go to Costco and get, <laughs> get my uh, my photo taken almost instantly? Yeah, there's there's better ways of doing that. And I think looking for the partnerships around those types of initiatives, I think, will pay dividends for, for the province, and the people of the province you know, strongly recognize that. Uh, so there's all those announcements, but those announcements should result in better, not only better outcomes, but, but cost savings for people of the province. Many of those announcements are not uh, put into government hitting their, their targets. So I think if those if those initiatives are real initiatives, they're done correctly, they're done smartly, smart contracts, these types of things. I think it's very probable that this government will uh, will hit those targets. So that's that's something uh, that's something uh, different. The you know the big thing that's missing from from our province, uh, we're the only province in Canada without that that has never had balanced budget legislation. So balanced budget legislation is not what people think. It's not, you know, hit, the, hit a balanced budget at all costs. What it does is it makes government accountable for saying we have a plan, here's the details of our plan, and then providing updates to the people of the province on a, on a regular basis, uh, putting that into, into legislation. And uh, it just provides accountability for our elected officials, which around this issue of, of spending in the province, quite frankly, are, are the people of the province, the citizens of Newfoundland and Labrador have not had in the past. So, you know, this, this balanced budget legislation, we should have had that before this, uh, before this, uh, this budget. But anyway, it's gone through first reading, and we'll 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 see it hopefully for the next budget. I guess we're there now, right? Is is the main thing. So, I agree. Maybe we should have had it in place before, but here we are. So, you know what, Mary? I'm going to give you the final thought for the show today. What do you think was missing from the budget? 
Well, I mean, I, I think to, to what we were talking about before, what what was really missing from the budget was a lot of broader discussions around strategies like poverty reduction strategies, pay equity, how we're going to to deal with the the wage disparity between women and men's jobs. You know, undervalue of of those works that we've learned during the pandemic. Um, you know, how we're going to really make our province one, and what we're going to do where people want to live and work. Um, I. I, I have to disagree that we're in this mess because of, of uh, excessive spending over many years, right? I mean, I understand we have a fiscal challenge, but I think part of the mess is is, is due to things like, you know, the, the overspending of Musquire Falls. That's been, that's been really hard on our books, uh, that there was huge uh, personal and corporate tax breaks, we, you know, way back when, when oil was uh, $100 a, ba- uh, a barrel and we were still in deficit. So I think, I mean, I think we need to stop talking about spending as a crisis. People have been living with that for a long time and start talking about how we need to invest, you know, whatever that means, invest in our province and in what we need to do. And and I guess, you know, we'll have varying opinions about what, what that means. I think the Health Accord for sure uh, has put forth some things uh, to think about, and I think it's a, it's a positive uh, document for the first time ever that's incorporated a lot of different ideas into how we do that. And I think we need to take that approach into, uh, you know, how we how we deal with the problem of unemployment, how we deal with the poverty, uh, the problem of poverty and inequality. Um, I I disagree around balanced budget legislation. The provinces that have had it have always had to to deactivate it when times get tough. Uh, I think it's bad policy because it it ties government's hands in times when they need to invest money uh, in order to to grow the economy or if there's more pressing social and environmental needs, um, and I think that it, that it sends a, a, the wrong message. I think it's damaging because of how it, it defines the role of government. Because again, I think you know, government good budgets should just—it's it, just as important in good budgets to have things about how we smooth out the boom and bust cycles of, of market economies. And that means sometimes we have to have deficits, and then we go to balance, then we go to surplus, and sometimes it's a cycle. And that's how governments operate. We're not a household. We're actually have a responsibility to look after, you know, a lot of people and and, uh, and the economy at the same time, and how we offset that those gaps that I talked about, like the income gaps and the gender gaps and the redistribution of income and wealth and helping the unemployed and helping build people up. So, um, you know, there was little bits and pieces of parts of all those discussions in there, but I think what was really missing was that, that broader discussion or commitment to bring people together to continue the discussions about uh, about how we do that and to bring all stakeholders together so that business benefits, workers benefits, you know, that the communities benefit as well. So. Thanks so much, Mary. Listen, it's always great to have you guys on the show. Lots to talk about. I think we always run out of time. There's so much more that we could talk about with regards to the provincial budget. But thanks to everyone for joining me today. Thanks for having yeah, me. Thank you, Mary. And thank you, Jason. Thanks, Nancy. Hey, everybody. So as always, I do want to hear from you, our listeners. Uh, If you have a comment or question or maybe a topic that you'd like me to cover here on Your Money, you can email me at yourmoney@bdo.ca or give me a call at 800-563-8337. Until next week, I'm Nancy Stennon. Stay safe and be well, everyone. If you have a question or comment for Your Money, send an email to yourmoney@bdo.ca. This has been Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trustees on VOCM.
The proceeding was a paid program on the VOCM Big Land FM radio network.